Dialogic Disciple is an invitation to explore discipleship in dialogue with the world as disciples of the Word. Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Dialogic Disciple podcast. My name is James Johnson. During the season of Lent, Northside Church participates in a special Lenten practice and Lenten devotional book. This year we call it Kingdom Come. And for the season of Lent, the Dialogic Disciple podcast will draw from our recordings and our conversations between myself and our creative services director, Elizabeth Shaby, as we rebroadcast our Tuesday and Thursday conversations here as part of the Dialogic Disciple podcast. If you're interested in hearing these conversations as they're released on Tuesdays and Thursdays, you can sign up to receive the digital version of our Lenten devotional, Kingdom Come, at www.northsideumc.org backslash email. You can also pick up a hard copy of the book at the church anytime during the season of Lent. I hope you enjoy. Kingdom Come, a devotional for Lent and Easter, produced by Northside Church. Tuesday, March 8th. Let us pray. O God, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are fixed on you. For in returning and rest we shall be saved. In quietness and trust shall be our strength. We invite you now to join us in a dialogue of scripture and personal reflection. Create in me a clean heart, O God. The wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. James chapter 3, verse 17. Lord, I often feel defensive and insecure when my wrongdoings are called out. I am uncomfortable as I hear your prophet say, You have abandoned the Lord's commands and followed other gods. 1 Kings 18, 18. But I'm unconvinced. Surely what I have done is not so bad. Surely my life is not worth this harsh critique. But your prophet keeps questioning. How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. 1 Kings 18.21 Who is this Baal anyway? Certainly I worship no idol, no golden calf. But the invitation is posed. Call on the name of your God. 1 Kings 18.21 And so I do. When I'm tired, I turn to caffeine to sustain me. When I'm bored, I turn to media and devices to entertain me. When I'm unsure, I compare myself to my peers. When I'm weak, I give my thoughts and desires free reign. When I'm uncertain, I summon my own powers of control and strategy. But the response is weak. These gods do not answer the true cry I raise. I hear a call. Come here to me. Let us repair the altar of the Lord together. Let us remember the ways of those before us. Let us pray. Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me. So these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. 1 Kings 18, 36-37. Suddenly, I see the fire of the Lord falling down. It consumes all that it touches. I fall to my knees and cry, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. 1 Kings 18.39 Amen.
So, Elizabeth, here we are, another Tuesday, uh, and we have done this kind of new thing that we've not really done before. Um, we, we kind of started it last week with uh, Job, and uh, one of the things that we wanted to do uh, with this devotional this time is to engage in a little bit of dialogue uh, with Scripture and with personal reflection. And so we have this story of... Um, of Elijah during the king, uh, during the reign of King Ahab, and um, the question that comes out of this uh, is, you know, will I trust the one true God, or will I follow the Israelites' example and worship other false gods? And I think, I think the dialogue that we uh, have done today kind of highlights the ebb and flow of our faithfulness and the kind of the places that we look um, for uh, things when we are weak and when we are in need. Um, what did you, what did you, so how did this ebb and flow, this dialogue uh, impact you? Like you mentioned, the purpose here is to engage scripture and have a dialogue with scripture. I think, um, a lot of times it's easy attempting to kind of let, especially these old Testament stories be stories and they just kind of sit over there by themselves. And it's hard for us to engage them on a personal level or find or see how they are irrelevant to our immediate lives. And so I was trying to put this in direct conversation with what the Lord could be saying to us today. Yeah. And to kind of extract something that would apply to the things that we deal with, um, you know, it, like the dialogue talks about, you know, God and Elijah are, you know, accusing the Israelites of worshiping, you know, Baal and this golden calf. And it's very easy to be like, well, I don't, I don't worship that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have a golden statue in my office or on my nightstand, you know, so why does this apply to me? Right. It's easy to think of it as just a historical event and, yeah. and kind of be like, oh, those Israelites, mm-hmm. they're rascals. Um, and so we don't, sometimes it's hard for us to make the, the jump or the leap in imagination to say, well, you know, we don't worship Baal, but we do have quite a many shiny objects around <laughs> that do draw our attention and take our time. Um, and that's exactly what worship is, attention and time. So I, I love this, this t- the turn here when, when the passage says, call in the name of your God. And then, and then you say, and so I do. And, you know, I, I, I turn to caffeine. <laughs> I turn to, uh, you know, social media or I turn to devices. I turn to compare, comparing myself to other people. Um, and while we don't think of those things as the same kind of level as Baal, um, they are. They are just uh, just as distracting and just as uh, they are just as much calling and tugging on our hearts uh, as any any idol in the history of humankind, I think. Yeah, I think it's about recognizing this idol worship before it even happens. Mm. So remembering that in that moment when we do need something, we are going to call out. And we have a choice as to what we call on, and we have to work really hard to remember that that thing needs to be God. That's really one of the takeaways from this story on on Mount Carmel, where, you know, it's a showdown between between Yahweh and Baal, between one single prophet of of the Lord and you know, uh, dozens of other prophets from for the other guy, right, the false guy, <laughs> uh, the wrong team. 
and and Elijah here, it reminds me what he says here. It reminds me a lot of of what Joshua said at the end of Joshua. Where he says, you know, like to choose today who you're going to serve. You know, as for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. And he gives him an option here. He's like, how long are you going to waver between two opinions? Almost as though like what's really upsetting to God here is not that they're worshiping Baal, although that is upsetting. Mm-hmm. It's that they keep kind of wavering back and forth because they, they you know, they kind of don't, they understand. Or there's part of them, it seems, that appears to understand that, that Baal is not real. Um, and yet somehow worshiping Baal gives them something. It gives them some kind of pleasure or gives them some kind of comfort. It gives them something that's false, but is not lasting. And mm-hmm. and so, you know, following, worshiping God, following Yahweh uh, may not be easy for the Israelites, but it is sustainable. It's sustaining. And it's what faithfulness ah. looks like. Right. And so, you know, it, what what's really uh, kind of getting getting in God's crawl here is that uh, his people are are being unfaithful. In, in, you know, they're just going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So how long? How long are you going to waver between two opinions, you know? If, if Baal is God, then follow him, right? Mm-hmm. But if, if the Lord is God, then follow him. Jump in, right? And I think that's exactly what we do. Uh, we have all these little false, minor uh, gods that call our attention, that, that, that come to us and offer some kind of comfort. They give us something, you know, yeah. getting on, you know, social media or or drinking that cup of coffee, the whatever whatever it is that we call on to sustain us, um, you know, and it could be, I mean, and it could be something as as simple as as caffeine, like you mentioned, right? Mm-hmm. But it could also be something as meaningful as family. Mm-hmm. It could be something as meaningful as, you know, like I, I mean, it could be serious things that call our attention, and anything that calls our attention away from God, no matter what it is, right, becomes Good an or idol. Bad. That's that's a, maybe a hard message to hear. It is. Because we were making that call as to what is good for us and what is going to work for us. And what you're kind of saying is that God's already told us. Right. I mean, it kind of comes down to we are created in the image of God. And so there's a sense in which, like, we are never going to be at peace and never really have what we need until we are back in the arms of God. Because that's who created us. And so there's always going to be, there's nothing that can provide meaning or um, can provide peace other than God, no matter what it is. And so when we try to replace God with anything, you know, we're always going to end up being back in that wavering position. Um, and we think about this, you know, to, and, and, and just think about this in, in terms of the theme for the week, which is the kingdom of abundance. When we turn to something other than God, we are, in a sense, rejecting the abundance of God and kind of kind of using our own powers, like you said, our own powers, our own our own abilities to uh, what you say here, our own powers to control and our own powers to strategize. We're really dipping into more of a philosophy or thinking this scarce scarcity, right? Um, because those things are always going to run out. Yeah. Like th- there's no well, there's no infinite well of my power and my strategy and my control. Right. Whereas with God, there's always, you know, it is an infinite, it is a everlasting and overflowing a plenty of God's abundance. And the things that I have idolized, things like family, things like caffeine, you know, the things that, that maybe, yeah. maybe I have made idols in my life, those can be part of the abundance of God. 
But when I take them out of that and make them something more, you know, and that's that's part of that's why one of the you know the 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 Ten Commandments, you know, when you look back at the Ten Commandments, you have these two two commandments that start the whole thing off, and it seems like they're the same thing, but they're not. The first one is you have no other gods before me. So right, that applies directly to Baal, right? Baal is mm-hmm. another god. So obviously they've broken that commandment. The second one is you will not make any idols. And that one applies to making idols out of things that God has created, even to worship God, right? So these things that we idolize, these things that we make into idols, um, whether there's something big or something small, they can be part of God's good creation. They can be part of the abundance of God and something that God uses to bring peace into our lives. But when we make them the image of God, or when we idolize them or separate them from that abundance and try to take control of them, that's when they become idols. That's when they become this thing that I waver from God, you know, this thing that I waver back and forth between that and God, I think. I think it's a fabulous conversation about priorities. Um, It reminds me of this passage in Luke 14 where Jesus says, um, anyone wants to follow me, you have to hate father and mother. It's about putting Jesus, it's about putting God first. There's like... God calls us to love our father and our mother, the people around us. But what you're talking about is the difference that it makes in our lives and in our walk with God, who we put first. Right. And it shapes everything. If we put God first, yeah. then our, our relationships, everything else is an abundance. It, it it springs forth as an abundance out of what God can give us. If we put those other things first, yeah. then they become, they're not enough and they become, um, they become they become vows of scarcity. I mean, they yeah. become yeah, right. I mean, yeah. they become places where we are always going to be disappointed. And I, in a, in a certain sense, I mean, like we don't even know how to love, you know, our neighbor. We don't know how to love ourselves. We don't know how to love anybody until we first learn how to love God. And and those things go hand in hand. But like it, it's our the goal is to love like God loves. That's what Jesus wants for us, right? And so mm-hmm. anything other than doing that, anything other than that is is going to end up being idolatry. Anything that's put above God, you know? We talk about priorities, but really priority, there's only, you can't have priorities. You can't have right. multiple, right? Prior to, like, the priority is one thing. Yeah. And so there can only be one thing that is God in our life. Um, and we get to choose, you know, that's that's the cool part, I guess, that we get to make a choice about who is going to be our God. Um, but if we ever if we ever move in a direction that's not the Lord, we're going to end up short. We're going to come up short. So this is not even about, in a sense, it's just about our own well-being, right? And if you think about the situation here on Mount Carmel where it hasn't rained in three years, And the people are trying to figure out, like, where are we going to go to get rain, right? And all they had to do is turn to God at any point, right? And yet they're going to all these other sources to find the rain. And it's become, you know, water has become scarce. And the crops now are starting to be affected. And there's a famine in the land. And all they have to do at any point is just turn back to God. And yet they continue to go to other things, toward things that uh, can't provide, can't can't give what they need. Amen. <laughs> Hopefully through this reflection on scripture, we've come to a place that we can kind of see maybe, uh, you know, the goal is always to try to peel away the layers and see where we are. We are misplacing our our priority, right? Where we are misplacing our attention and our time. And uh, I, think, uh, I think we've done a little bit of that today. 
Elizabeth, thank you for being part of this conversation. Good conversation. Happy to be here. All right. We'll see you guys Thursday. Kingdom Come, a devotional for Lent and Easter, produced by Northside Church. Thursday, March 10th. Let us pray. Lord, you are in the midst of us, and we are called by your name. Do not forsake us, O Lord our God. We invite you to join us in a dialogue of scripture and personal reflection. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. James chapter 5, verses 7 and 8, 10 and 11. Living into the Lord's abundant provision requires a great deal of patience. When have you felt frustrated with the Lord for working too slowly? Our prophet Elijah is once again on the run from Ahab. He cries out to God, expressing his frustration and exhaustion. I have had enough, Lord. He said, take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 4 through 5. What cry of exhaustion, reluctance, or downheartedness do you have for God? All at once an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals in a jar of water. He ate and drank, and then he lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up, and he ate, and he drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled forty days and forty nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. 1 Kings 19, 5 through eight. Once again, the Lord provided for Elijah. What request of provision do you have for God? Is it possible that the Lord has already provided for your request, perhaps in ways that aren't exactly what you had imagined? If not, do you think that God will provide? So one of the things that this story makes me ask, the question that we have written here on page 24 of the devotional, you know, what does God's provision look like? This is, um, I think, a great <laughs> a great story uh, with Elijah in the wilderness. You know, what is, uh, just in general, like, Elizabeth, what does, uh, what does God's provision look like for you? Something that I think I have learned recently, or maybe that God is trying to teach me, and this passage makes me think of is that the Lord's provision is maybe a lot more basic than what we sometimes think. What do you mean? Um, 
you know, I mean, I can, I can imagine myself in this situation, right? You know, Elijah's exhausted. Yeah. Right. He's, he's just done something huge. He's used all his energy. He's on the run. And I mean, we've all had this moment, right? You just give up and you're like, I'm done. (laughs) Take my life. I can't do this anymore. And I'm just going to go to sleep. I'm just going to go to sleep. I'm going to go to sleep. Absolutely. Right. And all the things that we think we need in that moment, right? Whatever it may be, we want God to, you know, make the people that we love behave themselves. We want a better job. We want people around us to just not be fools, whatever it may be that's just making you so exasperated in that moment. And God, God does provide, but it's, it's food. Yeah. You know, it's just this like very basic human need. Daily bread. It's daily bread, right? That's exactly. And I mean, if I think about it, if I'm being honest with myself in those moments that I have had, it's the very simple things that help me feel better. Yeah. Right. It's eating a good meal. It's getting some sleep. Yeah. It's these very basic (laughs) human needs that we have. Sometimes we overlook. Right. Particularly when we feel like, uh, you know, chaos or when we feel like things are just too much to bear, we overlook the simple things in those moments because clearly the simple things aren't enough right. to fix the problem. Right. Um, I think it's funny that the, this whole week we've been talking about abundance and scarcity and, and what that looks like. And yesterday we had a whole uh, reading about, um, you know, uh, uh, my daughter being dramatic and, and, and Ahab being dramatic. And here we see, uh, Elijah kind of being dramatic. He's, being dramatic. Right? He's, he's like, oh, I've had enough, right? And, yeah. And then he just just lays down his head, lays his head under the bush, and goes to sleep. And Angel's like, Hey, buddy, get up and eat something, man. He needs something, right? And then he's like, Okay, fine. He gets up, eats, and he goes right back to bed, right? And Angel's like, Buddy, he's like, so, you know, like trying to wake him up in the morning or something, yeah. you know. And it's like, it's time to go to school. <laughs> You know, or something. It's such a basic human thing. (laughs) It's kind of it's it's a it is a dramatic. You know, obviously Elijah is being dramatic here, but it's also a very nurturing and kind moment, a moment of grace and of God's abundance here being poured out through the angel of the Lord into Elijah's life. I like that he lets him go back to sleep. Yeah, right. He lets him sleep a little. Get a little bit of sleep, right? But then the snooze goes off, right? (laughs) And the alarm goes off, and it's time. Hey, man, we I know the journey's too much for you. Like I've heard your call. I've heard yeah. what you said, right? I heard you say you had enough. I heard that. Here's what's going to fix it, right? Get up and eat. And that in this story, it's very much a it's very much a physical and material thing, literal thing that he's talking about here. But I think there's a way to think about this metaphorically and spiritually as well. Right? How many times do we you know, when we get so exhausted by things that are happening in our lives um or some some event or some some occurrence or some circumstance that's happening and it's just it's just got us beat down you know and, and we can think about things that are big and global like the pandemic or we can think about right. things that are smaller to each one of our own individual lives but how many times do we just need to get up and receive you know the word of god yeah to receive the encouragement of god to receive the things that god has for us and like you said i think you're right we oftentimes exaggerate what we need in those moments and really it's just the simple things it could be as simple as 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 a, a word from a friend it could be as simple as a phone call or text message it could be as simple as somebody a deep a de- it could be as simple as a deep breath which i think also reminds us that we oftentimes don't know how we you know how i myself provide provision to others in my life you know uh, in the sense of how, how god uses me 
to be daily bread in other people's life just as god has used other people to be daily bread in mine you know like i said a word from a friend anything like encouragement um that's what the angel of the Lord does here, right? The angel yeah. of the Lord is providing that, that moment of encouragement. Um, and, and we see that it works. I yeah. mean, it tells us strengthened by the food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached where he had to go. Yep. God yep. got him there. God got him there. And he reaches Mount Horeb. And that whole 40 days and 40 nights thing, we, we've seen that somewhere before, right? I, I, so I think a, a good takeaway from this story is, is just to remind ourselves that God hears us in those moments of exhaustion and that we need to be more on alert maybe for how the small things that God is trying to provide for us, um, the very small things that God is trying to provide for us in, in moments when we, when we just need the basic, the basic things of life, uh, whether that be food and water or human compassion, right? Um, so this is a good story. I like it. God provides. All right, good talk. We will uh we'll be back tomorrow.